Dane Cook, pay-per-view, 20 minutes, let's go. Welcome in to the Bro for Squad podcast, where we are just a bunch of bros drinking beer and talking movies. This is episode 198, the 2023 movie preview show. I'm your host, the mayor, Jeff Hornacek. Thank you so much for checking us out. All right, Ronnie, we've closed the book on 2022 as a film year. Uh, how many lawsuits were filed against us as a podcast, and what was our win, loss, and draw record? We're like the NHL and soccer, right? We have draws. Yeah, so I would say we were sued about 18 times, okay. and we won 36 times because I countersued every single one of those motherfuckers. Wow, that's double. That's awesome. Also, for those at home, like there's not ties in the NHL anymore. I know that you can get an overtime loss though, so that'll count. But we didn't have any of those, I guess, in the courtroom. No overtime losses. There were there were a couple. Um, there there were a few overtimes that went into ties, like all the NFL rules. Uh, where both of us were just standing oh, there. Both lawyers were like, wait, we didn't even know this was possible. <laughs> we didn't know the rules of this litigation. Apparently, yeah, sorry. You filed a motion first, but it's not rejected. Then it ends in a tie. We actually won so many cases. We have a free pass to uh, copyright, to infringe uh, for the entire year. So oh, that's let's, let's like use it. that we got in the mail. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You have to cut it out and laminate it to make sure it's formal. Not a problem. Is it covered in protective plastic? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got it at an institute in Buenos Aires. He checks out. <laughs> All right, well, here on the Bro4 Squad podcast, we start every episode out with the most important thing in any bro's life, and that is chess day. And as is our tradition, I think we've done this every year of the podcast um, with our movie preview show for the upcoming year. We divide our preview show into basically three different categories of film that we break down the year from. So we discuss our most anticipated movies. It used to be one, but as we've gone on it, I can't just limit a lot of these to one. <laughs> I'm sure you can't either. Uh, then we go into our biggest sleeper films, uh, movies that we think might be flying under the radar or that we think just surprise. Can I really step in here? One time I got in trouble because I said my biggest sleeper fa- film was a movie called sleeper. And I was told later on that's not what a sleeper film is. So I apologize. You're not going to get that out of me this time. You know what? I'll count it if you even saw the movie. I did. I did not. I really should have. <laughs> One time, Brian's uh, like best film of the year was um, what's that fucking? I'll look it up. He didn't see it. Basically, <laughs> is the point. <laughs> I kind of remember this. I can't remember the name of the actor. I'll have to look it up. It was many years ago. Gary Oldman's in it. Some ki- the kid actor from ender's game yeah i know you're anyway about. uh so we'll do our biggest sleeper film then we go into what we think could be the biggest flops of the year the movies they're gonna bomb the worst and then at the end just any honorable mentions or things that we want to talk about that did not fit into any of those other three categories if you are listening at home please comment below your most anticipated movies biggest sleeper biggest flop for 2023 and secondly before i turn it over to you looking at this year just kind of going through what was i don't think that this movie year has like any films that i'm absolutely dying to see like my most anticipated list i'm pretty excited for these but there's certainly been years where um i was just like literally palp like my heart had heart palpitations because i wanted to see something so bad but i think we have a lot of depth like a lot of movies that i'm intrigued about and could be very hit or miss what do you think 
Yeah, I, you know, I've been looking at a lot of lists and, you know, obviously there's the obvious movies that we're excited to see. But it feels like 20, I remember when we were doing this last year and even the year before being like, OK, that's a that's that's a potential Oscar winner. That's a potential. That's those are nominees. It feels like what I at least from what I've been reading and seeing 2023 is going to be a lot of exciting, fun, entertaining movies. But I don't know of any that's going to like stick out at the moment. It's kind of fun that, that we're, we, we yeah. kind of have no idea of like this is obviously made to win an Oscar. Right. Like we get those every time. And I'm sure right. there, there will be those. But like it doesn't feel like those are the ones that are sticking out right now where we're just looking at fun, entertaining movies. Yeah, I agree. I think the big blockbusters, there's like some fun ones, but nothing like that's just going to totally move the needle. But there are a lot of movies that I think could surprise us and end up being hits. Also, before I send it over to you, sorry, the, for horror this year, you and I are the big whore hounds on the show. A lot of, a lot of options for movies that could be big time uh, rejuvenators for the genre, but also mm-hmm. some high risk, high reward ones, I feel like, too. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, horror, I mean, you, you and I have talked about ad nauseum definitely on the show is like horror has made up a bit of a comeback. It, there was a big lull in the mid I think really like between the 2008-15 time frame, like, you know, there was a big comeback in the late 90s and early 2000s and the kind of dips and flows. And I think we're kind of back up at uh, hopefully they won't, you know, they always what they always do is they kind of like do too much and then we get another dip. Right. So we'll we'll sure. see this year might be uh, might be starting to push those buttons a little bit. Yep. All right. We begin with our most anticipated films of the year. Nate Thurman sent in his picks. The other bros were tied up, so they couldn't do this. We'll let him do them on an upcoming show. But the first thing Nate Thurman mentioned, and cycle, this might be on your list as well, is why I'm going to lead off with it, is the Christopher Nolan-directed Oppenheimer, which comes out July 21st. And he wrote, mainly it's obviously Nolan, but the unbelievable cast that he has. Killian Murphy in the lead, uh, Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, Robert Downey Jr. And then we get... Some big young up and coming actors, Florence Pugh and Jack Quaid. So uh, Oppenheimer is one of his most anticipated. Is this one that you had as well? This is absolutely what I had as well. Now, Nolan, uh, I am a huge Nolan stan. I admit that sometimes his films, especially like Tenet and Inception, are just too high concept for me. I still enjoy them visually and the acting is great. I just don't often understand what's happening. Now, this, of course, is based on nonfiction events similar to Dunkirk, which Dunkirk I liked, but I just didn't feel like there was much of a narrative to it. This, on the other hand, looks very interesting and I believe really the first like character piece he's done, right? Uh, this is probably why it's so high on your list and on Nate's list and on mine was I think we're going to get the perfect blend here of what Nolan does best is we're going to get the visuals. We got the cast. We got the acting. But we actually have a story that's reined in only because it's a true story, right? So right. Nolan, hopefully, you never know, but you know, for the most part, should be sticking to that, and we shouldn't be walking out of the theater going, "I do not know what just happened." If we should do that, it's because of the science, right? It's because of like what yeah. actually occurs in this world of Manhattan Project and Oppenheimer and, and World War II and all of that. That's what we, we should leave us in awe and in confusion. Not like, what the hell was that plot? I have no idea who anyone was or whatever anything happened. So I, if he really is handcuffed by that in a good way, because it's a true story, I think we're getting the best of anything Nolan can give us, probably since The Dark Knight, because in the same way with The Dark Knight or any of the Batman series, he could only go so far, right? Right. So. Well, it's interesting, too, because he, like his 
this obsession that he had with time and ways to play with it, like obviously Inception and Tenet are Tenet especially, mm-hmm. um, but they're literally that's the focal point of the entire movie. But even with Dunkirk, which kind of fell in that same period of his filmography, he couldn't help himself and time and even especially like in the score, the ticking clock that Hans Zimmer utilized, like I think throughout almost the whole movie, that was a central focus. I'm wondering if he's kind of gotten over that with his filmmaking or if there's still going to be a component of that in this somehow placed. I'm sure it's going to be broken down, maybe not into a, like us again this bring the science into it into a very deep level uh, like on the atomic level right like how the timing and like the, the ability to split atoms and do all this kind of thing like how time is different based on our perception i'm not saying that's going to be the focal point of the movie but i could see him allude to how time is just relative yeah did you have any other most anticipated movies besides that well Really quickly, I wanted to say, too, I am really excited for Cillian Murphy. I mean, this cast is great, but I think Cillian Murphy's like, um, we don't get him that often as a lead. Leading man, yeah. Like, And it's funny, he's been in so many Nolan movies, mainly as yeah. Jonathan Crane, the Scarecrow, obviously he's in Inception, too, but he read for Batman. It was him and Christian Bale were two of the finalists, and you can even find the screen test he did on the DVD. So he has been a Nolan guy for quite some time. And, and Nolan, it loves that repetition. But was it was it was it his voice wasn't as like was he like where were the other drugs going? Was that why he didn't <laughs> no, get it? <laughs> I think he actually said uh, his, his, the lower part of his face like his lips were like too attractive like they were like too mm-hmm. weird looking in the They're cowl. Kissable lips. Yeah, and then also I think he just <laughs> that is what Nolan said verbatim. <laughs> and, and then I think he also just said like I just really liked him for Jonathan Crane also. Yeah, like he, he was just good. so menacing as as that character. Yeah, I think I'm excited about that. Like, we don't get him often, or maybe it's you know too uh, aware of of how often he is leading. Um, you know, I really because we were just talking about Nolan, how he likes to use the same people. How much do you think Leo wanted this role? Probably, yeah. It's weird with Leo though. Like between J. Edgar and the Aviator, it's like, mm-hmm. do we really need another like pseudo? I don't think we do. Pick from him, like I, I get it. But I could see him like of like been like. I, you know, he, maybe he can be as choosy as he wants to, right? He's Leonardo DiCaprio. But I, I was surprised originally that, like, this wasn't his role. Um, but, yeah, like you like you said, the cast, Lawrence Pugh, Gary Oldman, Kenneth Branagh, like, I mean, like, you can go down this list. Like, Matt Damon, like, Emily Blunt, it's crazy. Josh I mean, Peck that, yeah. is in it. Yeah, yes. it's 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 absolutely wild. So, I mean, whether for the good or, or not, that has to be, I mean, I don't know how this movie isn't on everyone's list. Yeah, I'm very excited for it. Uh, you said you didn't have anything else? Well, I, I mean, I do, but in a very different way, and I think you'll like this. Um, I, I'm not I, I'm not even a big fan of the franchise or a lot of these kind of, I mean, I'm going to go with The Flash. because I had that at first, too, but yeah. It has nothing to do with the plot of the movie. I have no idea if this is going to be good, but this whole Ezra Miller thing over the last 12 months. It's insane. What? What is the lead up to this movie? What is the marketing of this movie going to be like? Because he can't promote the film, right? Yeah. I mean, I know it'll be quite some time since then, but there's no way. And and that's what's – I mean, he has all sorts of legal issues. I mean, I don't know. I am I always like kind of this contrast of anticipated doesn't mean what's we're going to be the best movie. It's yeah. I'm very intrigued and excited to watch the build up to this movie. I might see it. Maybe I won't. I don't know. That's not the point. The point is – what a fucking conundrum this has been for DC and uh, and Water Brothers and everything of what they have to do with they put all that money into this movie 
and they pulled plugs on other movies that you and I have talked about that maybe there was even more money on. So the fact that they're keeping this one in really, uh, yeah. really intrigues me. And yeah. they've delayed it as much as they can. It's had five different directors, literally. They, yep. I've heard by all accounts that it actually is good. It's now being directed by Andy Muschietti, who did the two It movies. Um, Michael Keaton returns. But again, the Ezra Miller situation is yeah. like just unfathomable. It, yeah, I, I don't know. You know, you're, you're not going to see a leading man go on the networks on the late night shows. I mean, like, unless he has the best, like, redemption arc I in don't the know. next few months. What he did wasn't like, you know, becoming a victim of circumstance or like addiction. I mean, he was grooming a girl and kidnapping. Some... I mean, like, yeah. So it's it's weird. <laughs> bizarre. The only other thing Nate said was all the MCU movies. So Quantumania, Guardians of Volume 3. Uh, and the Marvels, and then at the very end, he'll talk a little bit about one of the shows. But this year for the MCU, it's a for me, it's a very important year because I think last year for the most part was a struggle, both between Disney Plus and theaters. And Ant Man has big plot implications for uh, Phase Five, so they need to have a good year, I think. I feel like they have five movies coming out in Marvel. Did last year? You know this year. Um, Between, I'm not sure what's uh, coming up besides those two. I know they have a lot of shows. Loki season two and Secret Invasion are coming out. Echo. Well, this yeah, there's a few others maybe like Family, like the Spider Verse is coming the second <coughs> one, right? Oh yeah, just like Marvel in general, not yeah, Marvel, Marvel in general, yeah, yeah, Spider Verse, uh, and then Craven the Hunter, which is a Sony production, but it's a Marvel character. That's right. Yeah. All right, my I have three most anticipated. I'm so not sure. I have to. Can I? I have a, a guess on one of yours. What? I, 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 maybe I'm wrong, but I'm assuming Fast Ten. Yes, that is the one I'll start. <laughs> with. So I am an unabashed huge fan of the Fast and Furious franchise. Fast Five is legitimately an incredible movie, and it is very high in my top 100. The series has gotten understandably ridiculous, and in the last movie, they actually jumped the shark, in my opinion. But this is part one of the two-part supposed finale. To the franchise. Somehow, Gal Gadot's Giselle is coming back. <laughs> like, no one can die. Um, but the thing I'm most anticipating is the watch party that I'm going to have. We'll have to try and be in the same town when this comes out to go see it. And then also the opportunity, and if this isn't done, I'm going to write in the streets, for Universal to use the tagline, Fast 10, your seatbelts. My God. Which I'm giving them that for free. As the lawyer of this podcast, let's not give that to them for free. That's worth billions of dollars. <laughs> if they don't use that, I mean, what a waste, right? It's 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 one of those things that you know someone in the marketing room said that, and everyone either was like, "Oh my God, Gary, you've done it," or that they're like, <laughs> or someone's like, "That is literally the worst tagline I could possibly do." <laughs> like that's there's no other like someone's like, "Oh, we'll think about it." No, it was either or. Like, yeah. there's no other way. Interestingly enough, uh, Brie Larson and Jason Momoa are joining the franchise. Um, apparently they pay very well, and Charlize Theron will return for the third time as a villain, which is actually kind of a cool through line that they've had the same villain past couple films. But this one is just, like, I think summer movie, this is what I think. We go get four or five beers before <laughs> we watch the movie, we pee in between the action set pieces, we come back and we ask... What did he say about his family while I was gone? And you just yeah. have a blast, man. Like, that's what the movie theater is all about. <laughs> um, all right, next one, 
no stranger to you and I. That is Saw. Right now it's being called X, but it's also <laughs> Saw 10. Saw 10. I don't is, want people to get confused between Fast 10 and Saw 10. <clears throat> correct. <laughs> Saw 10, your seatbelts doesn't work as well. That's <laughs> a tagline. Now, Cycli, you actually uh, told me, you and I are huge Saw heads. And I think actually this year we will do... Wow, are we already just Saw 3D for our commentaries? I think we are on the last one, last of the original line. Yeah, if you don't count Jigsaw. Wow. So we, we've we done commentaries on all the movies. Go back and listen to them on our channel, especially on Halloween. Uh, but this one has me intrigued because while the franchise has tried to expand to the point where it basically is just continuity-wise a complete mess, this one I think actually might go back and play in the sandbox and – Based on the timeline, time period that I heard, which I don't want to say what it is specifically in case it's a spoiler for people out there. Um, but it will not have the burden that some of the other soft franchises have had of trying to uh, branch out a story that has basically been like milking blood from a stone. I think this has a chance to sort of go back to its roots is one of the reasons I'm so excited for it. Yeah, we, you and I have both always talked about like how good the soft franchise started, but they kind of pigeonholed themselves by killing the main, you know, by killing John Kramer in the third one. Wow, that was ballsy. I don't think they were predicting that there was going to be 10 of these, right? You and I do respect that they stuck to that. They have, yeah. Because we were worried about Christopher almost... Nolan to deal with the timeline. That's what they right. needed. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I'm going to be in the theater on opening day. You know that. Um, my one concern is, I think, with the the movie that came out, um, well, what was the one with Chris Rock? Spiral. And Spiral. We were kind of led, yeah, I feel like we were misled things. a little bit, and we were really excited. We are like, what a crazy cast they just got. We were like, they told they had this epic idea, and it really just felt like there was nothing there. And so, like, you know, I mean, we won't talk of the rumors. You can look them up if you want it spoiled, but I am excited. I'm just trying not to get hurt again, right? Like, I get that they have this idea that there's like, oh, no, this is going to work, but I feel like we've been told that a couple times. Yeah. I guess I got to see it before I believe it, but I'm like I said, we're both a sucker for these things. And similar to Fast Ten, we'll have to try to somehow find a way to get yeah. this together. If possible. they could do ten more years of this, I mean, they could all suck, and I'm probably still giving them my eight dollars or ten dollars. Yeah, I agree. Uh, all right, the last one did not know this was a thing until today. And if you thought the Saw uh, franchise coming back again was the most Jeff and Cycli thing of this year, well, you are wrong because Ronnie Cycli, they are rebooting the Strangers. And Wait, what? How have I not is, seen this? It is an all-filmed and in-the-can trilogy of films, the first of which we will get this year, starring Madeline Petch from, what is she in? Riverdale, I believe. Uh, so these are three films directed by Rennie Harland. Part one comes out this year with the plot being, a young couple have cross country have a cross-country drive in order to get a new beginning. Unfortunately, they have no other choice than to stop at a seclusive Airbnb in Oregon, a night of terror unleashes as three masked strangers show up to their door in the middle of the oh night. Oh my God. How have I not heard a thing about this? I was thinking the same thing about myself and I heard about it today and sort of a little bit of a more modern take, but the fact that it is the strangers and a reboot of it, I mean, again, possibly somehow could be in the same universe and this is just a false bill of goods, but very, very excited. And the, characters at least the strangers are still man in the mask and doll face i'm in yeah i i you know even i i like the second one the second one didn't get near as much of attention but i enjoyed it it wasn't as scary but like 
there are some really good scenes. I mean, they they I don't think they have milked that franchise as much as like we're talking about Fast and the Furious and Saw and everything else. Um, considering how I think when you talk to anyone, even non horror buffs, you yeah. just mentioned the strangers. Everyone remembers where they were when they first watched that movie. Everyone was like, "My God, that movie!" I the shit out of me. Being like, if you factor in like being at an age where like you're not a kid and like everything scares you, I can never place another time in the theater where I've felt such visceral fear. Yeah. I was like a 17 year old literally covering my eyes. I was so frightened. The whole theater, I think we saw it together. The whole, I've never been in such a, usually when the theater's full and everyone's making noise, it kind of reduces the, the fear factor. That whole theater experience was one of that intensity and fear. And that was like, I remember the people next to me freaking out. Like, oh, everyone, everyone was, was like, like, shut the fuck up because they were, just, it felt like we were in that house. Yeah. And so I, I just like, I, I, it always is funny to me that we really only got two of those. And two, the second one was really like a decade later. So, yeah. I really enjoy, I mean, I, I we'll see what they do with it. It's an easy idea, right? Just whether you're home or isolated, Airbnb, whatever, it's just like someone comes to your house, an uninvited guest, and and that's what terrorizes. makes it so scary is it's not it's easy. like a demon from hell coming out of like your TV. It's yeah. like no, this could happen. Whoa, that's scary. I don't want that to happen either. <laughs> I just thought of that. Write that down. I'll edit Writing. it out. All right. Uh, next, we move on to our biggest sleepers. Nate wasn't able to send one in for this. So, what are a movie or movies that I guess sleeper? We yeah. get a little vague with it, but it's basically a movie that. You haven't heard a lot of people talking about yet that you think could be really good or maybe just a movie yeah. that you think might really surprise people. I think mine's going to be uh, to your first point. Um, this this did cross my mind as being my most anticipated and you'll you'll understand why the second I say it. But it is Ari Aster's third feature film that we're getting um, called Bo is Afraid. Yeah, no, this was originally titled Disappointment Boulevard because yes, I mentioned yeah. it, I think, last year on our. I think we did. Stuff. Yeah. And they, there was I think that was uh, throwing everybody off. So I got not... so confused today because I was like, Ari Aster has two movies this year. And then I just couldn't find Disappointment Boulevard anywhere. Yeah. And I just sort of deductively said. maybe. Yeah, I'm curious to know if that was a misdirection, if that was on. Sometimes they change the names on sets, right, to like mess with people. So people don't look for certain things or try to get things spoiled um but i mean in general like i think probably talked about it a little bit last year just like the idea of like the the mind of ari aster with with the mind of joaquin phoenix yeah like that's i i mean i don't i don't know man that sounds crazy in a good way what a potential Um, year for joaquin phoenix with this joker too and that and that's the thing is like people can be have their opinions on Joaquin Phoenix. You don't have to like the guy as a person, or maybe you do. I don't, that's not my point. Like what he is incredible to me. I, I, I remember being the first time I remember seeing him was when I saw gladiator in 2000 and being like Joaquin Phoenix was a better actor than Russell Crowe. Like what Russell Crowe won mm-hmm. the Oscar and Joaquin Phoenix didn't. And I, I mean, obviously for different supporting versus um, leading, but I remember like everything Joaquin Phoenix is in is he's, you know, he's kind of like maybe he wants to be, I don't know, kind of like Daniel Day Lewis, like just goes balls to the wall, uh, maybe too much so. But then then you bring in Ari Aster into this, who if you've seen Hereditary or Midsummer, any of his shorts online, like that guy is that guy has a, a wild brain too. go read his. I probably mentioned this last year. Go read his AMA on Reddit. Um, it's, yeah, that's good. 
yeah, it's such a good one. But anyway, the whole point is like this is a comedy horror. We don't really know much, so that's why I put it as sleeper and not anticipated. We yeah. almost know nothing. Uh, but they're kind of labeling it as a comedy horror. It could. So there's been rumors that it's three or four hours long. Obviously, no studio is going to allow for a four-hour movie, so we'll see. There could be a director's cut, like he has done with his other movies. But it's kind of like the, this description is like it's a surrealist horror slash dark comedy, right? And it's, he, I guess, Phoenix plays an extremely anxious but pleasant-looking man who has fraught relationship with his overbearing mother and never knew his father. His mother dies and he makes a journey home that involves some wild threats. So that kind of sounds like Joker a little bit, like, you know, doesn't know his dad, crazy relationship with the mom. Yeah. So, I mean, again, not much else to say because there's nothing to know about it. But those two guys together, I'm in. I think that could be a script that could be incredible. Like, I have to say, I think it's it's close, but maybe just because Nope didn't blow my mind. I think for me now, Ari Aster has pa- slightly passed Jordan Peele as my most intriguing director. Where like when yeah. I hear that, when I just hear that they have a project, and Nolan used to be at the top of this list, um, but once I just hear that they have a new project coming out, I'm instantly I don't know anything, and I go ooh. Yeah, exactly, and that's what I kind of <laughs> like. I, that was the one problem with Nope is i mean again we talked about it on 20 on last year's in depth right like we like the idea that they're hiding everything from us and then you see the movie and you're like well they were kind of victims of their own marketing like they didn't need to market it like that and i don't think we i would have been as disappointed if they had marketed the way the movie could have just been i would have gone and seen nope and probably liked it more the fact that they're like everything's a secret shh. yeah and then you see it you're like there's nothing needed to be a secret about this film so this is how i kind of feel about this one it's so tightly lipped. Um, now, Midsummer Hereditary, maybe Ari didn't have the, the following at, as he did at those movies. I know a lot of people didn't know about those movies before they were released. But again, his fame has changed a little bit since then. So so we'll see what this is. But I, I, I think, again, I, I will rather have them prove me wrong. I would put my money on Joaquin Phoenix and Ari Aster in a project together. As, yeah, as, I, that's amazing. I wouldn't want to bet against those guys. I'll say that. Um, do you have any other ones? Uh, no, I mean, I have, you know, I knock, I have knock at the cabin, um, potential, right? Like M night, um, has you, you and I have defended M night a bunch of times on this, sh- on this pod. And I always will. Doesn't mean I like his movies. There's always a way with M night that the trailers always look really good, right? Like they're, yeah. all, they're, they're it's really easy to form. I think he's had a little bit of a good comeback the last six, seven years, right? right. Like I've talked about the visit uh, was good. I, I personally enjoyed, um, was it old? Old, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was an amazing movie. I loved I, Split, did not like Glass that much. Yeah, same. Like, but I feel like his past seven years have been better than the seven years before that. 100%. You know, so... I, I'm in the trailer looks great. Uh, I don't know about a sleeper or not. I was kind of labeling it under the sleeper because M night always gets some, you know, he always gets enough credit and uh, gets enough following. So I, I do have that um, as well. I had that as one of my honorable mentions, just because like I said, he's on that list, you know, below Peel and uh, Ari Aster as a director who, whenever he gets a new project announced, I'm just intrigued because he is trying new shit. It does not always work. And he's been, you know, ridiculed and criticized, rightly so in a lot of cases, for his his flops. But man, when he fucking hits it out of the park, it is something to behold. And mm-hmm. I, I, again, I'm 
I'll be there opening weekend when Knock at the Cabin comes out. And it might end up being a dud, but uh, at least the guy's out there trying to do something original. Yeah, I completely agree. All right, I had two. My first one is a movie that I, I kind of hope we don't get another trailer for because conceptually, I'm there. The cast, I'm there. And just who's behind the camera, I'm there. And that is Barbie. I have that on my... Yeah. It's, okay, it sounds weird to put on a list like this, but... I don't think anyone knows what the fuck this movie is, and I am so excited to see what ends up happening. Greta Gerwig, who did Lady Bird and Little Women, very interesting director to do this. Um, the cast, I mean, we have Gosling, Margot Robbie, mm-hmm. uh, Will Ferrell, among others. It's I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but it's, it's star-studded. And based on that first teaser trailer... I, I have no idea. This is going to be like genre bending, right? Like, is it? Yeah. It seems very meta, but also very like social commentary. But also, I'm sure she's going to do something. It'll be like a dark humor kind of as well. But then Mattel signed the rights away to their character for this, so it's also like, <laughs> I mean, if it was they gonna, had to have some control. Correct. They wouldn't let them do that and then make you uh, have you make a hit piece on them. So Ken kills Barbie in a fit of rage, <laughs> like you know, like you can't. Yeah. But it talks about that a little bit in the trailer, like the toxicity kind of of the Barbie brand and the image and the effect that it's had on young girls. But at the same time, it does recognize how iconic it was. Now it's like one of the most recognizable toys in the entire planet. So I don't know. I, I don't want more marketing material because right now I think everyone that is aware of this movie is going to go see it. So I, I, they may want a more mainstream audience, but I don't think it's geared towards kids. So it's for people like adults that have a sensibility or a knowledge of this toy. Yeah. I think for me, when I, I had this on my honorable mentions, um, I think when I first read that it was going to be a Barbie movie project, it kind of made me feel the same way with like Mario or like all these others. You're kind of like, okay, you know, I guess, yeah, I guess it's, movie. it's IP that we haven't done yet. Yeah, yeah. That's Hollywood, whatever. And then like, as the time has gone on since like what years ago, whatever they announced, like this project, like, I, I am quite shocked how much I'm more intrigued every day by what they might do with this. Now you're right. Like I need a with Mattel and everything, like I'm probably overthinking it in my head, but between the cast and like a lot of the buildup, I feel like there's going to be something we're not expecting. Yeah. There has to be. Yeah. If we go in and it's just a movie about like, I'm Barbie. And it's just like falling in love and, and her getting her career, like all her careers that Barbie had. Like, you know what I mean? Like I would walk and be like, I don't know what I expected. I guess I feel, I guess that's on me and not them. If it's exactly what a Barbie movie is going to be. But, uh, I guess we'll yeah, find out. again, I think whether it's fair or not, the movies that, uh, I don't really know what, what's going to happen or what, uh, sort of the end game is for them are way more intriguing to me this time of year. Yep. Another one I didn't know this director had a movie coming out and he's appointment uh, viewing for me is David Fincher. He has a movie coming out this year called The Killer, um, starring Tilda Swinton and Michael Fassbender. Yeah. And it says an assassin begins to psychologically crack as he develops a conscience, even as his clients continue to demand his skills. It is an action crime thriller. And again, Fincher visually and narratively just one of the best of all time and uh swinton fossbender very intriguing yeah. and because i didn't hear know about this movie till recently i was like this is one that could be uh maybe getting oscar buzz in the, the year or if not just be like one of the best movies of the year that i didn't even know about till really recently 
Yeah, that's I, I'm in on that. Like David Fincher, big fan always. So many movie of his movies are in my top 100, and um, Tillisman always has scared the shit out of me. So yeah. <laughs> she's incredible. Yeah, she's incredible. Like she always is so good at dark roles. Like she's good in everything, but like man, when she's in dark roles, I'm always like, oof. Yep. Fear like boner. When, when she's exactly when she's chewing the scenery as a villain, it's really fun. Yeah. All right, next up, or I guess last up before we go to honorable mentions, flops, biggest flops of the year, movies that are going to fall flat on their face, either critically or at the box office, sometimes both in tandem. This is, we'll just be very candid, this is where we take some swings, and we are usually wrong here, but we're unabashed. Like, put ourselves out there, say something stupid. If you're right, then you look like a fucking genius, and if you're wrong, then we can just delete the episode, and we never even said it. Um, Nate had one that's coming out pretty soon in February, 80 for Brady. And he said, who the fuck is even the target audience here? I'm assuming you've seen this trailer, right? Yeah. What? I almost put this and I saw Nate put that. I was like, what this movie is. And I saw like, isn't Brady like a producer? Like this is so. He's in it a lot too. Yeah. It's, it's just so pathetic. Is it for women or men? That's what I don't get. It's her Tom Brady. I guess. Jesus Christ, like, up your own ass? Like, what is this movie? And I don't, I think originally it was supposed to just be a Peacock release, but it's getting a theatrical release, I'm pretty sure. Jesus. What is the plot of this movie? I mean, I know the plot of the movie. Like, what's the climax? Watching him win? I don't know. I don't know. The climax is one of the women actually doesn't have menopause, and so it's a great, it's a big reveal at the end. Oh, he cheats on Giselle. Giselle, right. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Spoilers for 80 for Brady. Imagine if someone ever said the phrase, sorry, spoilers for 80 for Brady. <laughs> Whoa, man, I was going to see that. Dude, honestly, fuck you. Not cool. Like, is it, I don't, I mean, I don't know. But I guess it's going to be this, like, coming of age. Like, here's the thing. Who is this movie for? Because if they mark it as, like, yes, it's, like, four women in their 80s get together and they, they're old friends forever. And it's, like, a sister of the traveling pants type situation that Gross. they just come behind just like the excuse to see tom brady but that's not for football people i I mean who is again who is this movie for if it's for women who want to have like women's empowerment and friendship then i don't think a random person is going to see this movie because of tom brady and also if it's a football person who wants to see it for tom brady that's they're going to walk out of this movie being like what the fuck the venn diagram of who you market this to is pretty small like the the overlapping part of those two circles menopausal aging women or nfl bros like i don't i don't get it it's it's rough um another one nate had and he put this on here almost obligatorily because he had it last year and it got pushed and i actually think my opinion on this has changed since the marketing's come out i don't know about you cycling but he put the super mario brothers movie Mm -hmm. as a does it change for the better for you or for the better yes i was shocked at how much i liked the trailer again we've had very limited exposure to the voice cast which i think was everyone's biggest uh area of trepidation with this thing but anya taylor joy sounds awesome as peach i was digging jack black as bowser yeah that Uh, was never a concern for me right limited charlie day as luigi but i think that'll work obviously chris pratt as mario is the one we're scared of haven't heard it too much and i i'm not really a fan of keegan michael key as toad but everyone else for me worked I'm going to say it again, and Daniel Day-Lewis says Yoshi. Yeah. (laughs) You said that last year. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I hope he just, as a gag, lets them put his name in the credits. He's been retired for so many years. (laughs) (laughs) 
And I just love that he's the idea that he's a method actor. So he's like, well, I guess I'm going to be a green dinosaur for the next the one. The one role that could get him out of retirement. God damn it. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I remember we talked we talked about this movie and um We're almost two straight well, year preview shows, well, I feel Legally Blonde Three is also on this list of oh, yeah. movies that got pushed that we talked about and I think one or two others, but I don't know how I feel about this movie. I don't And you're I a huge try, Mario fan of the game. Yeah. Yeah, of, I like, am. I'm I I love I have like every Mario game and I don't. I just don't know. Chris Pratt is so overdone to me. I don't know. I find him quite annoying recently. Yeah. Um. I. I. It just. If they were gonna make this movie, I think I said it last year. I or I would rather have them just done a live action, like just like let's really go all out. Um. This just seems like they're kind of half-assing it. Like I don't. I don't expect this movie to be bad because why would it? It's just a Mario. It's it's the same vein of the the games. Peach gets kidnapped, he steals stars, and Mario's gonna go save it. Like yeah. there's nothing wrong with that story. So I don't know necessarily that the movie's gonna bother me. I just I just don't know if it offers anything. So it's setting up the Nintendo universe where we can then get our mm-hmm. Mario Party movie and. Uh... It's just the Mario characters getting drunk and playing games all night. <laughs> <laughs> getting a fucking bloody hand from rotating the analog stick so many times. But I'll so, see it. I'm going to see it. It's an interesting one. All right, Cycli, what are your flop or flops for 2023? Yeah, I have two. Again, I did Elvis last year. I, I really thought the biopic game was played out. I, I don't think it was as successful as probably some people thought, but it definitely wasn't a flop. Um, I did see it. it I, 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 did, I thought critically it was good, um, but was surprised the biopic um, had still some success left. This one, I'm picking another swing for the fences. Could be completely wrong. I'm going to go with um, the Hunger Games prequel. Mm. Um, I don't particularly... So think about it like in this context, right? Like Harry Potter was and is vastly more popular than the Hunger Games ever was, right? Like the Hunger Games movies did good. They they were great, 100 million, 200 plus. But as the movies went on, they kind of dwindled. Like the, right. the, the interest was one. waning. I feel like yeah. It, 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 in the I mean, I read the books. Like they're fine. I'm not con- con- criticizing the the narrative. It was kind of repetitive, right? Like so, I just think you like you said it, it waned. And then you think about again how popular Harry Potter is, and then they brought in the prequel of the of the you know the and even though you can argue it's not really a prequel of Harry Potter, but like Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them franchise, which is on the struggle bus right now, right for a variety of reasons, but one of which is that yeah it's made good money, but it's not it doesn't have the same draw that Harry Potter had. If we're already looking at the Hunger Games was never on that level. I don't think I've heard in the last 10 years in just casual conversation of cinema and entertainment and books, anyone bring up Hunger Games. Anymore. No, me either. And, and I'm not talking about, I, I mean, like, I mean, even a prequel, the prequel, I know there was a book, but like, it is not in the realm of conversation among, I, I don't think. Gen- it's so far off the zeitgeist that it's like. Yeah, like, I don't think it- Gen Z is into it. And I don't think the millennials have as much of like. The, the whole, like, again, Harry Potter thing, the only reason I allude to it is because they were coming out around the same time. The millennials have that, like, childhood shared with Harry Potter, and that's why we'll never let it go. I don't think anyone has that draw to Hunger Games. So it's, and, and especially, with, you know, Jennifer Lawrence isn't going to be tied to it. So, like, she was the main draw. 
I don't know. We'll see. I could be completely wrong. There could be a whole sub genre of fandoms that still exist. They're just not that loud. Uh, you know, so maybe I'm wrong, but I really just don't think this movie for amount of money they're spending on it is going to be a success. Yeah, that's a good one. Cause that's one too. It could, the movie might actually be good, but it's all yeah. based on will fans of that franchise come back. And I mean, let's just be realistic. Are they just kind of aged out of it? Yeah. And like I said, I, I'm sure the movie will do fine. I'm sure it'll be the number one in the box office the weekend it comes out. But the question is the second week, right? Like that's really yeah. where you flop. And I, I just, I just don't think it's going to have that kind of draw, but could be wrong. I'm with you. You have another one or no? Mm, I um, where did it go? Um, yeah, I'll just go with the two prequels. I'm going with was um, the Wonka, Wonka movie. Um, oh man, that was my other honorable mention. Uh, excited for yeah. Oh yeah, I mean I, I again not saying again. I try to say like it will not be bad. I really look at a flop in the definitive of I don't know the draw. Who it is going to be not? holidays, you know. I yeah, that's I tough. Think the, yeah. That's a tough one. I, I don't know. It could do well. I just, is it in, is it what people want to see right now? I mean, the, when Charlie and Chocolate Factory, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, like those had, those tore people's heartstrings, but um, in different ways from nostalgia and, but the Depp and one Johnny Depp. Oh, yeah. And, at and least so critically, one, it was kind of panned. Yeah, it was. Yeah. But kind of the same realm. I don't know that people necessarily need this. So, and again, if it's coming out on the holidays, it's going to be competing with a lot of things. So doesn't mean it won't be seen. I just more less so than um, Hunger Games. I just don't know who this movie is for. And uh, Chalamet actually has I mean, that in Dune part two coming out right around Christmas or maybe yeah. in November. So busy end of year for him. He might even sort of be cannibalizing himself at some point. Yep. Box office. All right, uh, I had two, and it pains me to say this first one, but cycle, I'm really worried about Scream 6. For a couple yeah. of reasons. Number one, uh, Nev Campbell leaving over the pay issue. Not that she's it, like quintessential to the plot, but it sounds like there were some sort of creative differences involved with this one that had her hesitant to leave, which isn't as big a deal. To me, the two main things are, number one, how good scream five was last yeah. year it, it made one of my it, it was one in my top five movies of the year it came out in january which was like for you to withstand the every other mm-hmm. movie that comes out the rest of the year and still be on that list it's really impressive but that movie being so good i feel like the drop off is just inevitable here and the second reason is how quickly they churned this thing out yes yeah that's that's for me it's the second it's the latter I, the scream you and I have talked about it is the most consistent, definitely of horror franchises. Yes. I mean, th- no franchise, no horror franchise has been able to be consistent like them. I'm not saying every movie is incredible, but like there isn't a bad scream movie. There just isn't. The, I'm not concerned about this, them doing a scream six, like you said, doing it within a year. And the Neff Campbell situation, a little nervous. It's what eventually victimized saw, right? Was, Saw was a cash cow every they would basically be like pre running pre-production on the next movie before they were yeah. even done filming the first or the original one they were on. So that's what I'm worried about is how quickly this came out and Scream, which is much more plot centric than a lot of horror franchises, maybe not Saw, which is kind of surprising, but it's it lives in this metaverse. And can you really have that much new to say within one year of examining the horror fran- the horror genre? Yeah. Well, it is interesting that they're going like, you know, right. They're plugging the whole New York 
marketing big city yep. idea. So it looks like they're trying to do something new, but it could be gimmicky. I, I, I I'm, uh, I'm going to trust it because even you know what, even if this one does suck, the Scream will still average by far the best horror franchise. Like right, like oh, yeah. it, it, it will take multiple bad movies for Screams to lose its reputation. No, I agree. I, I was just saying, as far as like a movie that I have high hopes for that might end up. I yeah. don't know. The, the writing on the wall does not look good, but hopefully I'll be surprised. Yeah, I feel the same. My other biggest flop is a movie that Hollywood has tried to get right once before because it is an incredibly valuable and recognizable IP. I just think this is a fan base that is really hard to please and that this IP does not translate very well to the big screen. And that's the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Mm. We have Chris Pratt in it. Um, sorry, Chris Pine, excuse me. I was like, damn, he's in that too. He's in a lot. Chris Pine (laughs) stars in it. Um, The trailer plays very comedic, which I don't know if the Dungeons and Dragons heads at home that are playing this game religiously want to see it sort of lampooned on the big screen. Um, But this is one, I just don't, I don't know. I I, I know it's a recognizable IP, but I don't think this film is going to, do that well it, it could be fun i i've never actually played D. i have a group of friends here where my wife and i moved to that they all play they play D every tuesday um and yeah, it's, i mean it's from everything how, i've heard it's fucking awesome to play it sounds i i it's on my bucket list i want to do it i mean i know it takes a lot of work and it's it's so popular now among i've read that like among gen z like people love D. a lot of it has to do with stranger things has okay. really won people over because like the whole plot of Stranger Things was they're playing Dungeons and Dragons throughout the whole series, right? So, um, Futurama actually did um, back when Futurama was canceled the first time, um, but they did they they did four movies, uh, which are all incredible in my opinion. But one of the movies is um, just they're basically playing Dungeons and Dragons, or it's like a, oh, it's cool. a they yeah it's a satire of Dungeons and Dragons like the whole plot is revolving around that so and that was hilarious now that I didn't need to know Dungeons and Dragons to find that one funny um, so I don't know I think there is something there I think it could be successful it's, uh, enough people are into D and D the question is are the people who are into D and D wanting to see this movie right and you how know? do you do it so I think of like uh, it's not quite apples to apples but the Warcraft movie that came out a few years ago. That took itself very seriously, yeah. and I don't remember that doing very well critically or financially. So, and that has probably an equally, maybe even larger, especially at the yep. time, fan base. So this again, everyone has from their probably personal experience playing the board game, a vision of what it should look like on the big screen, and it's tough, man. It's almost like the Star Wars fandom community. Like, are people ever going to be happy with with what they see in a movie? And I don't know if this is one that translates well, but maybe it will. There's enough, yeah, like, exactly. there's enough people out there. And from what I understand about it, I could be completely wrong, but every style is different. It's based on the dungeon master. There's different ways to play. There's different roles and there's different universes like you can control. And like, there's no like specific way. And so that's why it's going to be kind right. of interesting how many people might be nerds of the game and are they making fun of it? Or is it not taken seriously? So I'm with you. I don't know if that movie's for us. I don't, you know, um, but uh, it will be interesting to see how that does. Definitely. All right, last thing. Nate sent over just a few TV shows that he's very excited for. I um, echo pretty much 
at least three of these I definitely echo. And if you can think of anything you're excited to see, too. I didn't prepare any TV shows, but a lot of my TV shows I sort of realize as we go throughout the year, like How I Met Your Father's coming out soon. You and I are big fans of that. And then HBO always surprises us with a few. But Nate mentioned The Bad Batch on Disney+, Plus, which actually came out as we're recording this today with its first two episodes of this new season. I am currently watching for the first time the Clone Wars animated show, which leads into this. And it's actually really fun. It's just a lot of episodes to get through. I think I have like 25 left. So when I finish that, I'll check this out. Have you watched any of the animated Star Wars stuff? Because it is canon, but it's also a lot. I haven't. That's the problem. It's just like I've been wanting to, um, you know, I watched Rebels a long time ago and and things like that. But I just, it's such a, not a bad way. There's so much out there right now. There's so much material, especially around Star Wars with all the live shows. It has been, that's been like, it's one of those burdens that like, I just need to suck up and do, but I'm always like, oh, not today. No, no, I'm yep. going to get to it, but not today. Yeah, it's, it is worth it, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a lot to get through. So it's not like I started watching, I think like two years ago and on, there's like 200 Clone Wars episodes, maybe not that many, like a hundred yeah. something, but it's good, but uh, I'm not quite caught up with the Bad Batch, but when I get there, that'll be a good one. This next one is an HBO Max show, which uh, I didn't know the creator of Chernobyl, Craig Mason was in charge of this but Nate put it in his notes, and that's The Last of Us, based on the very popular video game, which I have not played, but I'm kind of familiar with the story, Cycle. What's your relationship to the game, if any? Yeah, I'm the same, yeah. Apparently I had, like, too much. some of the best cut scenes of any video game, and, like, the script to it was just so incredible that it got optioned pretty quickly after it came out. Um, and this one actually comes out next week, January 15th, so trailers <laughs> looked pretty good. It's almost like a... 28 days later, um, but with like a slightly more sci-fi f- effect of the uh, apocalypse. And Pedro Pascal's in it, who's also in The Mandalorian Season 3, which Nate mentions. I think we're all looking forward to that, March 1st. Um, and then the last one, Cycle, you really and quickly, I... Think, I'm, I'm going to say like that could be an introduction to the game. Like Someone like me who's ever played it might be wanting a new show. Like That's cool. I, I'm not, I was not aware too much of that. Yeah, I uh, I can't. I know they made a couple games, but I can't remember if the first one or the second one is the one that they said had like the best script of any game they've ever played. Wow. I think it was. A, I can't remember. Either way, the writing has supposedly been incredible. And then the last one, Cycli, our show, you, starring Penn Badgley, gets its fourth season, uh, February 9th. They're actually breaking it into two parts on Netflix, like the season, which is good because you know we'll binge the whole fucking thing and. A night. Oh God, yeah. Um, but this is this started off as like our guilty pleasure show, and then I'm just straight up tell you, it just became a pleasure show for me. And now we're on season four. I'm kind of hoping it ends here because I'm just wondering how much longer you can stretch <laughs> this concept, like this conceit. Um, but Joe is everyone's favorite sociopath, and uh, I'm excited to see him again here in about a month. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this was. I don't remember the first time, like why I decided to watch the show originally or when. But man, like, it's just, it's very much an epitome of just guilty pleasure, suspenseful, horrible characters that you want to root for for some reason. Like, you just ask the questions of the, of the audience that like, you don't want to be asked, but you like, you know, acting like you don't want to, I love the subreddits, love like the, every season people like are like rooting for Joe and you're like, you shouldn't be rooting for him. He's an awful person. We all do it though. I know. But uh, yeah, I like, don't if you know got how caught, much... I'd be devastated. 
that's the thing. Like, yeah, are we going to get a whole? This is a, it's a Dexter. I think we talked about it a little bit. It's Dexter all over again, but so far they're doing okay. They're holding serve. Yeah. Um, I mean, it took Dexter a little over four seasons until it really started going downhill. Because what do you end the show with him on trial? Like, you have to have some sort of dramatic ending that unfortunately Dexter did not do. So yeah. I'm in. I'm so excited about it, man. Like, I, I feel like the whole country binges the show together. Yeah. Have you heard anything about like the possible end game of this show? Because I'm worried, especially with Netflix, the financial situation they're in, they are going to milk every intellectual yep. property they have till it's like basically shriveled up and dead. I just don't. I mean, I just don't know that. How much, I mean, like, yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Just like Hollywood, Netflix, all of it. But I just don't know how much more they can do. They can't just keep repeating it. Yeah. The question is, like, does Jenna Ortega come back? I mean, she's on the up and up. Like, that would be a pretty big. I mean, I know they have a relationship with her because of Wednesday, but yeah, can they afford her again for this? Yeah, I know that's the big question. Be interesting. Um, all right, 2023 should be a fun one, and of course, we will be here the entire way for reviews, commentaries, all that good stuff. Anything else before we move on, Cycli? Just yeah, wanted to mention. Um... I, you had, we had mentioned Scream Six, Barbie was on my, and then John Wick Four. Excited about that one. Oh yeah, yeah. just because I love to talk about friends, movies. fun entertainment, just pure what action movie should be. This gun fu, I believe, is what yeah. the, the term they coined for him. The way he fights with a firearm. It's it's the the creativity of the kills are like it's wild the things they come up with. Oh yeah, and of course Keanu. Yeah, what's not well, to love. All right, second part of our show is our protein shake. We go around and talk about what is in our cup, also known as what have we watched lately. Cycle, I know we have one that overlaps, Glass Onion, so I don't know if you want to talk mm-hmm. about that first or last. Oh, absolutely. But... Yeah, either way. Um, All right. I think we have a couple, but I'm sure I have a few that I can be quick about because I know you've seen and maybe already talked about on pod. Same. So why don't you just go first and we'll play a little tennis here. What have you seen lately? So I'll go quickly on the two that I'm assuming you've already talked about. Um, so first, m- wife and I finally got through, well, because everyone else was talking about it and we decided to do it was White Lotus. And we did oh, yeah. the first two seasons, well, the first two, the only two seasons in a period of about three days, I believe. <laughs> you know, the nice thing about the show. I'm so jealous you got to see it for the first time again, because that's like a feeling that I miss. It was, it was, yeah, it was uh, the first season is what six episodes and the second season is seven episodes. Um, it was the first weekend that my wife and I had to just like decompress, I had no responsibilities. It was fantastic. So we just pushed through it. And it was, again, I'm sure you've talked about it a, a bunch, so I won't get too into it. It's just like, if you're hearing about it first time, if you thought about it, it's just, again, it's just fun. It's, there's really no show like it on TV. No, and and again, like kind of alluded to you, not the same way as you, but like you're rooting for characters, you hate the same characters, you go back and forth, you don't know who you actually like. It's just like the the characters are and the writing of it is so fun and effortless. Like you really feel like these are real people, um, and and everything they do is actually realistic. They don't, for what you think is a murder mystery show, or you know. It really isn't about that. It's really about characters just being themselves at these resorts. Um, I think I might have liked the first season slightly better. I liked them both a ton. I, the first season I liked a lot because you got a lot of background on the staff. The second one didn't really require it, but right. Um, I, I just really like. The, I love character-driven 
you don't need to know anything else. Um, the, the motives behind the behaviors, everything in their past, that's not important to the story, right? It, it's important to the characters, but like to you as your entertainment, you don't need to know these people that well. Uh, you'll get to know them. So why Lotus is, if you're still considering it, just, just watch the first one. I think you'll be hooked. Yeah, it has like a really unique sensibility to it that's kind of hard for me to describe. It would be if like True Detective didn't take itself seriously kind of maybe not even that much of a murder mystery it just says like you said it's just incredibly well written and it's just captivating television yeah it's not about who did it or whatever it's literally just about these people right that are coincidentally all in the same place yeah and they're just all so interesting like especially season two i was like every one of these plot threads i'm like really invested in which is Mm -hmm. fun you really get that on a tv show there's normally like one like i've heard in game of thrones when they cut back and forth between the houses sometimes you're like oh get these fucking guys off screen get back to so and so yep yeah so love that and then the other one uh, i know you've talked about but i watched with you last week was bodies 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 Mm, yeah yeah Uh, yeah and again won't talk too much about it but um really just great commentary again murder mystery whodunit type um idea but the movie is really more of a commentary on modern times, modern friendships, um, Generation Z and, and millennial concepts and, and how we view things and, and how we can be rushed to judgment and all that kind of stuff. But it's, again, really fun character development, really fun, just like isolationist group of friends stuck in a room or in a house for a weekend. Um, so, yeah, guilt, like, I really enjoyed it. It was fun. So it's, it's not that long of a watch either. So... Yeah, and again, just I think w- w- before we started it, I just told you like it's just like in in when I think of the whodunit, the thriller, the borderline, I wouldn't really describe it as a horror movie, but like the slasher type flick, like we're always looking for like all right, what's something you can do that I really haven't seen before? And this might not be a completely original conceit, but it definitely takes the genre and puts like a like you said sort of like a social commentary layer to it. But also even if you exclude that from it, it's just kind of clever in a lot of ways that you don't yeah. see this type of movies before. Yeah, just fun. You don't need to think too much about it. It doesn't try to hide what it is. Um, there's a lot of funny moments and a lot of ridiculous moments. Oh, and I thought, like, one more that I'm pretty sure you've talked about was uh, Violent Night. Oh, yeah. I loved Violent Night. What did you yeah. guys think? I, it's just, again, everything we tried to watch the last few weeks has been about just, like, entertainment value movies you can shut your brain off mm-hmm. to. I mean, the concept is hilarious, right? Like, Santa's just, like, stuck at a house because the reindeer, like, during a hostage situation, the reindeer get scared off because of gunshots. Like, I, I, it's just, again, there's nothing. Turns if you out take Santa's that movie, a badass. Yeah, you, if you take that movie seriously or that movie, it's not for, like, that's not what, some movies are just meant to be like that. Um, and we kind need. Kind of like, yeah, John Wick meets Santa. It was, it was pretty cool. I had, we had a great time. Yeah, again, if you went into that movie and you were confused uh, about what it was going to be, like you just didn't watch any of the marketing because they're pretty straightforward about what this is. Yep. So those are the three I'm sure you talked about. So I wanted to didn't want to take too much time on those. Nice. Um, I watched the George Clooney, Julia Roberts comedy Ticket to Paradise on Peacock, which recently came out on the streamer. It was in theaters a little while ago. You might have seen the trailer for this. This is where Julia Roberts and George Clooney are. Um, a divorced couple whose daughter is getting married in Bali and they want to break up the wedding. So they sort of make a truce. It's like classic romantic comedy, but they sort of make a truce for the weekend to work together, even though they hate each other since their divorce. 
and hilarity ensues. Oh, boy. <laughs> and I have to be honest, this movie actually is, like, there is some pretty good heart to it. Like, the, the story behind why they separated is actually uh, kind of tearjerker. Um, and Clooney and Julia Roberts are just, like, having a fucking blast in it. It it, it checks all the boxes of tropes and, um, you know, pretty much all the types of characters you would see in this movie are present. But I have a lot of fun with these movies and um, there's enough of like an interesting wrinkle to this to where it's not like the most predictable thing of all time. But it probably goes where you think it's going to go. But it was fun. Yeah. Nothing wrong when with I, those. Well, then I'm glad I didn't like obviously I wasn't going to pay to see it in theaters, but I'm glad it came to Peacock as fast as it did. Um, on the rom-com kick, I actually, my wife had never seen the movie High Fidelity from 2002 with John Cusack and Jack Black. So we watched that. She um, like it. So it's interesting, like, it doesn't age that well in the sense that, like, John Cusack's character, and maybe I just totally missed this at the time, but he's just, like, a shitty person. Like, I forgot he, like, cheated on his pregnant girlfriend <laughs> in the movie. Um <laughs> And it's just, again, from 2002, like, it's the the magnifying glass that's shining on relationships sort of pre-social media and, and like, the dating app. Um, it's probably realistic for at the time, but, man, it's just there's, like, a lot of problematic things in it. I will say Jack Black is an absolute scene stealer. This was him, like, just about to enter his prime. Like, Orange County, I think, was the same year. And he was really about to become, like, like Saving Silverman was about to come out. He was about to just sort of blow up and... His comedic sensibility at the time, you see why people were like, dude, there's not many comedians acting like this in movies. This is hilarious. Yeah, um, I need to revisit that. I think I haven't seen it since. Yeah, I mean, you should then. see. I, I moved it down on my list. It was like in the lower 250s, and I think I dropped it down a few spots after a rewatch. It's still a good movie and a romantic comedy, but uh, I think I just had it for some reason. I think the narrative structure of him like counting down his five worst breakups of all time was just cool to me at the time also. Um, but it, it just, it didn't, I did not, I remembered it too fondly. Yeah. As, as those kind of early 2000s nostalgia in our heads, a lot of movies I feel like don't live up to what we thought they were. Yeah. It's on uh, Paramount plus if you want to go check it out. Um, one other thing I'll mention briefly before we, I get to the two cool things I watched, uh, today I took a CBD gummy, half of a gummy sat on my couch and watched Avengers Infinity War for probably like the ninth or tenth time. And I just had a fucking blast. That's all that was. <laughs> it was just awesome. Um, I love the movie. I'll talk about it, you know, at a, at a later point in our top 100 list more in depth. But um, that was, if you have the means, that is just a great experience to partake in. Let me just put it that way for multiple reasons. <laughs> All right, uh, we have Glass Onion, and then I had one other thing. Did you have anything else besides Yeah, I have that? a couple. Yeah, I'll go quick. Um, I had COVID the week before Christmas. Um, and, uh, I heard, I'm I sorry. Revisited, uh, <laughs> I revisited First Kid on Disney+, Plus. Sinbad. Wow, okay. <laughs> and nothing That's else the to speed do. golf at the end, right? Uh, no, that was, are you thinking, what's speed golf? Where, um, like, he, like, he needs to get off the golf course, so he's... So he's like uh, in no, the cart, that, like hitting his hitting. Is the ball. that my date with President's daughter? No, Sinbad's in it. Oh, Sinbad, it's not first kid though. Is that house guest maybe? 
Maybe, yeah. First kid is the end is where like he's he's the secret uh, service agent. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And the kid like escapes to the mall and he's gets kidnapped by his former secret service agent. It, it's such a it's such a '90s 2000s movie or yeah, no '90s. And um, it, it's just like one of those movies that like when we were kids, I feel like these kind of movies got played all made all the time. These like just gimmicky stupid movies but we ate it up i don't feel like movies are made like this anymore just like they're definitely not like big releases if they are no i mean i'm not trying to be like oh back in my day i'm not trying to say they should be made i just feel like there was so many gimmicky things in the 90s um but you know what i thought i was gonna hate it i thought it was gonna be terrible it it i laughed i literally like Sinbad's having to hide at the. is this on disney plus yeah it's on disney plus yeah he's having to hide in the the coca-cola pizza mascot during because at the skating rink because he can't be seen and of course like he gets like just hilarity assaulted by kids i mean it's just yes it's complete dumb and nostalgia but kind of the opposite of your high fidelity i was like i thought it was going to be so bad i'm going to like one of those old movies you're like how did i like this movie and i was like you know what it it could have been a lot worse it really could have been um, um, is Woods the name of the ex-Secret Service agent? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Okay, so he's played by Timothy Busfield, who's also Lonnie in Little Big League, the one who ends oh, up that's... Being, uh Billy Haywood's mom. Oh, first. that makes sense. Yeah, actually, he looks familiar. That that makes sense. Yeah, it's... I just remember loving the movie as a kid, and I had nothing else to do. Um, and Zachary I... Ty Bryan from uh, Home Improvements in this? Yes, yes, he's the mean bully. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Have you not seen this? It's been a long time. Yeah, it's. But it, I definitely it, remember like begging my mom to rent the VHS when we go to Blockbuster. I don't know if I should tell you, yeah, dude. Like, take a CBD gummy and watch it. Like, it's it's an hour and twenty minutes. It's when I had nothing to do for five straight days, isolated alone. Like, it was fine. So I don't take that for a grain of salt. But I thought it was fun. I thought it held up for a kids movie in the nineties. If you thought it was funny, I'll think it's funny. I yeah. <laughs> um. I also watched. So this was a movie. An interesting movie for me. I, I I watched The Hunt for Red October, and I had seen my my dad was obsessed with this movie when I was a kid. Like the, this was one of the movies my dad had on in the background all the time. Mm-hmm. Like he just would have it on. Like he'd be doing dishes or he'd be doing whatever, and that movie was on. So like I always like never really took time to sit and watch it because in my head I've seen the movie a, a thousand times. This cast is insane. The cast is amazing, right? Like, so it's the first Jack Ryan movie. It's Tom Clancy, like, not Tom Clancy. Was it Tom Clancy? Um, well, anyway, the the whole point is it was kind of cool to revisit because, yeah, I had seen the movie, but I had never, like, watched the movie, right? Like, I, I my dad always loved it. And so for me to actually sit there and watch the movie in one setting – and realize, yeah, there were scenes I remembered. There was the ending I remember, the beginning I remember, and all these little things. But as I was watching the film, I was like, I don't remember this movie, even though it had been on TV a million times in my youth. And it, it's it's fantastic. It, I mean, obviously, like you're talking about the cast and Sean Connery and and so many others. But um, how does Sean Connery play as a uh, Russian submarine captain? So it's it, it's interesting this is kind of the weird part of the movie, but they used to do this a lot back in the day. They start the movie with all the Russians, like Sean Connery speaking Russian. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of do this like somatic thing where like they zoom in and zoom back out and they're all speaking English. The idea is they that, do that like, in Valkyrie also. They do that. They do it in a few other things. Yeah. And so like, 
And of course, he doesn't have a Russian accent at this point. Like he's just I'm Sean Connery, right? Like it doesn't. Yeah. It's just it's just Sean Connery being him. So like he has like some Russian dialogue and stuff like that. But because like Tim Curry's a Russian, it looks like is Sam yes. Neill's character Russian as well. Yes. Yeah. So none of those guys are obviously Russian, but they're great yeah. actors. Yeah, they're great actors. And and I don't I don't think Tim Curry like I don't think he even uses. I mean, again, there's a scene where they're all speaking Russian. But outside of that, it's kind of um, there's a little bit of a whodunit. You know, there's espionage. There's no there's like a spy. Like the whole thing with, um, you know, Alec Baldwin and, and who, you know, Jack, getting to play Jack Ryan in the first role that Jack Ryan is a character in. Um, yeah, it's it's. I'm just saying, like, I, I get a movie I thought I knew just because of my childhood. Yeah, um, I'm really glad I took the time to rewatch it. Uh, see, it's on Netflix, right? Yes, it is on Netflix, yeah. Okay, I'll have to give this a poke at some point. And then, um, as always, I think I talk about it once a year on this pod. The Circle Season 5 has come out a week ago. Oh, wow. Um, so, We're already up to five seasons. That's kind yeah, of... They did two of them in the first COVID year. So, like, it's been one every year since. Um, you've heard me talk about what the concept is, Eight Strangers, who can only they can't leave their room. They can only speak through text. They have to get to know each other through games. They could be catfish. They could be real. They could lie. They could nothing's holding them to that. And then you vote out who you don't like. A little bit of Big Brother s. There's a lot of different elements. I think last year I complained about season four because all the contestants were like semi influencers. Yeah. Which was so annoying. And like all they were there for it's like their a totally own different clout. show. Yeah. Yeah, their own clout and. Um, and plus yeah, everyone had seen the show before, so you kind of had some reasonable expectation. And so it was just, it just felt like I was watching people promote their own brand. I feel like this season so far, we're only four episodes in, or three episodes in these, these people are back to the original, like they're not influencers, they're random people. And it's, it's made it a lot more refreshing. All right, good. Maybe they heard some fan feedback. Yeah. I just, I don't need to just see people promoting their insta i just don't. right they don't even care when they get off the show as long as they do something that helps yeah. their brand um all right before we get to glass onion i watched a movie that i actually think you'll be intrigued by it is called the immaculate room it came out last year this is on hulu it's really short it's like an hour 30 minutes including credits it is a single location film starring emile hirsch and kate bosworth and the concept ronnie it's, I would say, a psychological thriller. It is a couple, played by, again, Emile Hirsch and Kate Bosworth. They win this contest where they have to stay in this room called the Immaculate Room together for 50 days with nothing but each other, a shower, all their food and drink is provided, like in these little protein shakes. And if they stay in this room for 50 days, they are awarded $5 million. Wow. And... It's there's set up no by, TV or anything? No, there's nothing. Books. Now, there are a few rules. There's no books. The few rules are at two points throughout the 50 days, each of them respectively can give up $100,000 each time of their potential winnings for a treat, in quotes, which they don't know what it is, but they're told each time they do this, it will help make their stay more comfortable or more enjoyable, I guess. And the movie goes... So the, the point of it is like the psychological breakdown of human beings in this environment, like what happens when and where are the things that trigger you or set you off on these different paths that you can't prepare yourself for mentally. Um, 
But the thing that I was kind of disappointed in, and I kind of want you to watch it to, to get your own opinion on it, is I feel like there are so many cool ideas with this premise, and the movie really doesn't explore any of them. Like any of the things that, when I started watching it, there is one really interesting element that happens that don't watch the trailer before because it is kind of spoiled. Um, there's one cool thing they do that I was like, okay, I'm glad you did that. But for the most part, like if, if you and I were to sit down and talk about like the the biggest questions we would have about people potentially doing this in real life and what would that look like? Like for the most part, those things aren't addressed, which is kind mm. of, I'm intrigued. I might watch this tonight because you said it's so uh, short, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's exactly where my head was going is like all the possibilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Could, sure. I, uh, you, you and the wife would like it a lot. I always um, wonder. I'm like in my head. I'm like, I could definitely do that. But yeah, then I'd be like three days, and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> and just like the conversations that the the couple starts having, like, yeah, that's exactly like if I was in there with my significant other, this is what we'd be talking about at this point. And like the paranoia that sets it. Like, I'll we can talk about it later. But one of the contestants starts thinking something is happening in the room. And then as the viewer, you're like, is that happening? I'm going to start looking. Oh, God. That's kind of interesting. That's good. I like that. All right. Last thing. Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. You actually saw this before I did, I think, right? Yeah. A few days. All right. So I guess real quick, what were your thoughts? But before that, just so people sort of know where we're at, because I know on this podcast, love-hate relationship with Ryan Johnson. What did you think of the first Knives Out? I... I, I need to rewatch it. I watched it only one time and I liked it fine. I thought it was entertaining and delicious who done it. But I remember by the end of it, I wasn't like, I didn't feel like I had really like, Oh, that was a fun ride. I, I remember like being like, Oh, it was a good movie. Okay. And I really didn't think too much of it. I felt like there were a lot of people who really loved it. And maybe I, I did I miss something. Um, but I was, I was basically like, yeah, it was a good movie, but no more than that. I think I felt the same way. I liked the Benoit Blanc character, but um, I have a pretty high expectation for whodunits and sort of how they unravel the web of mystery. And I felt like Knives Out sort of relied on a few gimmicky things that um, maybe it was supposed to be like a sort of tongue-in-cheek look at the genre, but I feel like it didn't set any of that up until really the very end, and it kind of left me with a little bit to be desired, but I did enjoy it. Yeah. So that leads us to Glass Onion, and I guess we'll say... Do you want to say just spoiler thoughts right here? So if you haven't seen it, skip ahead like two minutes. Yeah. All right. What'd you think? I I personally loved it. Um, I thought it was better than the first one. I, I'm sure that's a controversial take. I think maybe a lot of people online don't agree. I don't know about that. But I just thought this movie, again, and kind of the theme of a lot of the things we've talked about today, or I feel like I've talked about, is just like turning your brain off and just letting yourself be entertained. Mm-hmm. And and this movie kind of like White Lotus, kind of like a few other things we've talked about, like just really fun characters, quirk. Like the movie is quirky. Benoit Blanc is, I think, way. I like Daniel Craig much better in this one too. I thought he was so much more fun. Yeah. Uh, the pressure was maybe taken off him. It, I don't know. And the plot was more interesting here. Yeah. Um, I think I love the red herrings. I love that the movie was really told you what it was. Right. Like it, it just told you the whole time. It wasn't lying about anything. When a character said, oh, I'm just here. Don't mind me. He literally is. Just or literally there. don't, don't mind, mind him. <laughs> There's literally they're telling us in the front. Ed, Edward Norton's literally misspeaking in front of us. He's mispronouncing words. He's he's saying the Ionian sequence to the GNC. Like, right. Like we as characters are the we are watching this. And seeing them not, there's no uh, veil, right? Like, it is It is exactly what they're saying, which I kind of love that little twist, right? Like, yeah, we're expecting something, we're looking for something, but 
no, it's so dumb. It's brilliant. No, it's just dumb. Um, I, I really loved it. I watched it a second time with my wife. I even had a lot of fun the second time because there was so much I picked up on. Yeah. I think this would be one of those movies that's really good for a second watch. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I feel the same way. I, I like this one a lot and probably more than the first one, but if that's a controversial take, I think it might say more about how I feel about the first one than this one. But this yeah. was really exactly what I want from a ensemble cast whodunit movie. Uh, and like you said, some of the really, and again, if you've come back, still spoilers here, but some of the most interesting things about this movie to me is the way it plays with the genre in the sense that, again, there's not, the person who you think is this like clever mastermind the whole time is actually the stupidest person of the whole group. Yeah. When it's really exposed, like he didn't even build the puzzle box in the beginning. Yeah, that's what I love. Those little subtle things you watch a second time. He didn't build the puzzle box. He yeah. didn't plan the mystery. And the one and that like, he did plan, Blanc figured out like literally before the salads came out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the real murder of the film is committed before they even get to the island. Yeah. And actually ties a big part into the plot twist, which they sort of Tarantino in the middle, which says that Janelle Monet's character is actually not who we think she is, um, which leads to just a whole fun. Like, then you take the, every single character and everything you've seen from them, and it just sort of p- puts them all in a new light now that we get this yeah. information. So I thought that was really cool. And, I mean, I'm already excited. I'm pretty sure they're going to do a third one. I think Ryan Johnson and Daniel Craig both have enough fun with this. and it's Just do it with Muppets. That When I saw that God. tweet, I was like, I mean, they won't have the balls to do it. but that would No, be they won't, so but that would be so incredible. I, know, <laughs> I, would, give, be... I would give so much money for that. Like a like a clue version with the Muppets. They go to like a mansion. There's like a dinner yes. party. Someone dies. Yeah. We'd be so lucky. Yeah, and it was great seeing Edward Norton be very Edward Norton esque. Like he reminded me of the character of, um, in in Fight Club. Um, you know, like he 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 kind of, he he's very Edward Norton. I don't know, like I'm not saying he was a bad actor in this. Like he's playing the same guy, but like there's a way that Edward Norton is uh, delivers his lines. Uh, where he's like believable as a leader, but he's also believable as like fraud. Like yes. he does so good at that. When you think of Fight Club, where he's this unconfident but confident, like you well, there's a whole plot twist of Fight Club I won't get into. But Edward Norton just plays this line, and like that's why like the whole time you're like, yeah, he is brilliant the whole time, and you're like, no, he's I don't know. I I've always loved Edward Norton. I was really sad for a while when he kind of really kind of fucked up his own career because of his own you know, like his own ego. Arrogance, I guess, yeah. Yeah, arrogance, um, you know, but it, it's always fun. It was fun seeing him in this role. Yeah, the fact that he's willing to do a role like this, I think might be a really good sign that he's headed in the right direction. Yeah, as far he's as an like, unbelievable talent, in my opinion. So he really we, is. We need him, yeah. And he was the perfect choice for this. Like, there's a few actors I could think could play this, but he, like you said, has that, like, he's like a douchebag without being, like, brash and abrasive. Yeah. You know, like it just, it's yep, so subtle. Um, all right. Anything else? No, that's, that's basically it. All right. The last part of our show is our, do you even lift bruh segment? The question and answer segment, which normally Brian Banner intros us with a parrot noise where he says, bruh, but since he's not here, we'll just dive right into it. Our question and answer segment, as we've been doing, I don't know, for like the last 30 episodes is each of the bros counting down our list of our top 100 movies of all time. You'll find it linked at the top of the description of this episode. It's also on our website, bro4squad.com. Before we continue our countdown today, asking the question, what are the bro's top 100 movies ever? Cycling, before I throw it to you, uh, how would you describe these lists, as we always tell people? It's not your 
um, IMDb curated film students top 100 movies of all time. It's a little bit different. Yeah, this isn't even you can you can argue that this isn't even your what you declare as the most greatest films of all time. It's it's your it's personal to you. It could have to do with nostalgia. It could have to do with the time in your life of where you watched it and your mood that day, um, the theater experience you had. Um, there's plenty of we, we all have Phantom Menace. Some of us have Phantom Menace on our top 100, right? Like no one actually thinks it's a top 100 movie, but that movie represented uh, our youth. It represented Star Wars at a specific time and, and all like lightsabers and all these kind of things. So really, this is just a list that you should do yourself because it's a really fun exercise. It's really fun to see the type of movies you compare to your to your own favorites. Yeah. And uh, like you said, if you go make your own at home, I think it's just a great it's also just a great trip down memory lane. Like when you saw these movies is a huge part of where they rank and if they rank in your list. So um, cycle, we'll turn it over to you. I'm a little bit ahead of of you, Thurman and I are just from last episode. So we last had you tell us your number 61 favorite movie of all time which was the Joaquin Phoenix film Joker. What is your number 60, 60th ranked, I guess, favorite movie of all time ranking just ahead of that? Yeah, I don't know why this isn't on purpose, but man, this is a back-to-back two really depressing films. Um, This is my only, and I've talked about this on the pod, I believe. Um, This is my only documentary in my top 100. Uh, It's Dear Zachary. And um, I saw this uh, on your recommendation, actually. Yeah, it is... um, I won't talk too much about it. I know we have a couple things, but it's a documentary about a friend who his 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 one of his best friends passes away. He's murdered, unfortunately, and and the 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 friend who's who was murdered has a son, and so the the friend who's a filmmaker is like, I'm going to make a film, going around all of our friends and record their everyone's stories about his your dad, right? Like the the idea is dear Zachary, the son is dear Zachary. So like the movie is about the father so zach can know it was going to be a gift to the kid when he was 18 um when he turns 18 and it's just like hey this is who your father really was and and what else i'll stop there basically saying that's the premise of the documentary and suddenly it takes a turn into real life that's happening with the murder suspect with international law with all these other things that are happening while he's just trying to do something nice for this child um and the twist and turns it takes um, this is a true story, right? Like it, it's, it's unbelievable. It It is so it, It's just so gut wrenching. I advise you to watch it and not read about it. Um, because <sighs> yeah, if you it, read about it, it take you need to, you need to understand, watch it the way it's meant to be watched. Yeah. This one had a, I'm not surprised this is in your top 100 because we talk about like visceral reactions to movies and it's tough for a documentary to elicit this type of emotion for me that this one did, but I was devastated by this thing. It, it's it's just, if this was a movie, you'd be like, oh man, that's, that sucks. That's crazy. But like, yeah. knowing this real life and real life laws impacted this and all the, I don't know. There's, and again, I knew nothing except on Reddit, there was a thread that said like most depressing documentaries ever watched. And this was by far everyone's like yeah. top post. And so I was like, oh, I guess I'll watch this movie. And then afterwards was like, Dear God. <laughs> uh, it looks like right now it is on Tubi and Pluto TV. So maybe even Amazon Prime if I'm reading this correctly. Oh, I mean, you might have to pay for it. But again, if even if you're not a huge fan of documentaries, uh, I promise this one. Cycling, yeah. you just said prepare yourself for. Just have a palate cleanser ready to go. That's a good idea. 
have have a goofy movie on <laughs> on stream ready to go. Yeah, have it queued up and that'll save you. Uh, all right, why don't you do one more? You're number fifty nine in the movie of all time. Well, yeah, and I know a lot of you on this on the pod don't like this movie as much as I do. Um, a lot of it is again, this is going back to what I was saying. This is a this this list is a lot about nostalgia, and it is we just passed Christmas time, but this is uh, I have a Christmas story, and for me growing up, there nothing signified Christmas more than this movie. I'm not saying it's not my favorite Christmas movie, as you'll see later on my list, and you know that. But this movie, you know, they always did a 24 hours of a Christmas story. Yeah, that's um, quite part of it, I feel like. Yeah, on TNT and, and TBS. And from the earliest age, I'm not sure what year they actually started doing this, but from the earliest age that I can remember, we had this on at my house starting at 7 o'clock on Christmas Eve. And we never sat and watched the movie. That's what's funny about all of this. But throughout the 24 hours... We would watch the whole film, right? We never changed. Yeah, just in like 10, 15 minute increments. Usually. Yeah. And it was always just such a it just when I see that movie, it it's Christmas, right? Like yeah. I I can't watch that movie tomorrow. I can't watch that movie in six months. But when I see that movie on TV, the 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 way the care, you know, all the famous scenes, the the triple dog dare you all the well, stuff. Shoot like, your eye out, kid. Yeah, it's just it just it floods me with emotion and family and Christmas. So this movie, I, and really quickly, I just want to say there's, they just released a sequel on HBO last month and my God, it was great. Like that's what, really? that's what, yeah, I, it, it kept in the spirit of the first one. Um, it didn't just rely on old jokes repeat, repeated. It just referenced old jokes, like to say like, Hey, we acknowledge that this was a joke, but like, like the leg lamp, like is in the attic, like they just zoom over it and you're just like, oh yeah, that's, you know, but they don't rely on the same jokes. But the whole point of the second one is just like, again, the nostalgia of the family, the fat, the father had passed away. So the son goes home for Christmas. And it's just like, that's what the signifies a Christmas story for me was, was family. And so, yeah, that's why it's at 59. Uh, just absolutely. will always have that as my tradition on Christmas day. Yeah. So it's all about, man. Like, you know, the movie, again, doesn't resonate with me as much because I don't have that memory that you have. So that's cool. That's what this list is all about is the when the movies came out and then the, the nostalgic of the special place mm-hmm. that they hold for on each of our lives. All right, Cycli, I think that's going to do it for episode 198. What words of wisdom do we want to leave the people with? I guess for the start of 2023, is there any advice you can give either as a lawyer or just as a human being? Advice you can give to our listeners on things to have a safe year and maybe not get sued. Well, definitely, um, especially around the holidays, we're all trying to drive around and see our loved ones. Hey, you know, the left lane is for passing. I just drove the equivalent of 24 hours the last, actually, no, 28 hours the last two weeks. So around the country. So, um, hey, and, and not even a close as much as Banner. Well, I can't wait for him to get on the pod to tell us about this. But guys, the left lane is for passing. Um, you don't go slow in it. You don't pass people on the right. It's dangerous. It's unsafe. Let's all get to where we're needing to go. Um, I, I just, it just nothing drives me more crazy. And semi trucks, seriously. Yeah, what's the their lane. deal? Get, get we respect the you. Thank you for the job you do, but you're not left lane people, and that's okay. You're not. It's perfectly fine. Uh, my advice for 2023, same as it was last year, guys. Uh, make smart decisions when you're getting your hair cut. Okay, not the time to try anything crazy. If you see the kid in front of you get uh, maybe little streaks in his hair, you're you're if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably too old to be trying that as well. So 
This is or not too the... young. Correct. Or even if you're of the age, whatever age that is, just don't fucking do it. There's just some sound advice. That one's free. Next one's going to cost you. So just play it safe when you're in the haircut chair. Usually don't take any recommendations. You know how you like your haircut. So we'll leave it to All right, for our legal counsel, Ronnie Cycli, I'm the mayor, Jeff Hornacek. We are the Bro4 Squad podcast. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. Follow us on Twitter, at Bro4Squad. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, of course, YouTube. You can find us there if you type in Bro force squad as three separate words and then all of our content is on our website along with our squad blog and the link to the top 100 movies of all time list for each of the bros and that website is broforsquad.com till next time we'll see you at the movies especially if you're going to see megan this friday you'll see me maybe me too what if they do recognize us our voice (laughs) like how do you know us oh my god